Welcome to Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet. Each and every week, we get to talk to new and exciting people about whatever is on their mind and what's important to them, whether it's health, overcoming addiction, spirituality, finding God, uh, politics, conspiracy, you name it, we cover it. So it's an honor and a blessing to have you join us. I look forward to meeting you and thank you so much for tuning in. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. Today, I have a very, very good friend with me. We talk literally every day, and I love him to pieces. He is an amazing person in the podcast community because he supports so many different podcasters. Welcome, Mr. Amit. How are you? I'm doing good, Janet. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm so tickled pink that you have decided to join me today. So outside of the um, Monday Night Master Debaters, have you been on anybody else's show yet? Uh, No, you're the first one I'm on now. (laughs) First one. I'm I'm going on NY Patriots over the weekend, his show. Oh, you'll have so much fun. He's such a good guy. So um, I'm tickled pink that you decided to join me because um, I've been bugging you uh, for a very long time to come on my show. And you always said, oh, I'm too shy to do that yet. (laughs) So I'm glad you found your voice, my dear. So tell people about your show because you have a podcast. Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Amit and I'm the host of Amit's Corner. And my podcast is basically on different topics. I don't have an agenda. Whatever to- whatever topic interests me, I do an episode. My goal is for you to people for you to pe- for you people to wake up and question and question things that are going on. With the information I, I sit with the information I share and what the other podcasters are doing. I think your podcast is fantastic because it's short, sweet and to the point. Um, you don't have a lot of, you know, filler and, and stuff in your show. It's short enough that people can actually binge like all day long and listen to every one of your shows in a short period of time. But you cover so many important topics in history that I don't think a lot of people are aware of. And I know that um, you and I have talked before and you said that history is one of your favorite subjects. Um, I mean, it used to be, so, but not anymore. <laughs> After finding and why, out the truth, and why is that? Because <laughs> history has changed over time, and we've <laughs> lied to a lot. And nowadays, <laughs> and nowadays, when I research information, it's like, is is even true? I have to double check my sources before sharing information out. Right. Because I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person that people think, oh, is he just like finding random information and sharing it with the public? Right. And it, it's so everything that you cover is so interesting and it's never um, like the same topic, which I really love. So, um, you know, what are what are some of the things that you have covered besides uh, genocide? Uh, the one about well, genocide is probably the one topics The one about the medical Hitler, what Hitler did. Dr. Mengelhoff did, and then what Unit 70, 
three did. Those topics mm-hmm. were very interesting to me. Right. So what's and your favorite? My favorite is um the Unit 731. Yeah. That was a that great was- episode. And I bet a lot of people are like, what? I don't even know what that is. I was also so, like that way. I looked it up. Like, what is this? This sounds interesting. I'd rather look some information up into an episode about it. So, where do you, um, where do you come up with your ideas from? It's just random. I don't have. It's just random. I think that's great, though. Sometimes, so, sometimes, sometimes, what I do is I research a, the topic I'm researching on. If I find something else that fits in with it, then I usually do an episode on that. Also. Like the yep. next day. Yep. I think that's fantastic. So I want people to um, get a sense about you and get to know who you are and uh, things that you have overcome because I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there in the same boat. And we have, on my show, I have never um, discussed this topic with anybody else. So uh, I'm super glad that you are joining me today because you are a transplant patient. That's correct. So I, I want you to tell people um, about that. Like how old were you? What what caused it? What organ was it? And all of that stuff. So I had my transplant in 96. So I was four years old. When I had the transplant, the transplant was an end-stage renal failure, which I don't know much about because I was too young to know. And then the kidney I got was from a donor, which I have no idea who he was, but I'm grateful to whoever he or she is that I've lasted this long. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So have you had any issues with the organ transplant at all? Yes, in 2010, I went to India for a trip, family trip. I think it was the first time we went. I went to a water park in Bombay, drank the water there, and then three, four days later, ended up getting very bad diarrhea. And then I went downhill. I had to get admitted to the hospital locally where my grandmother used to live. And then I got transported to another hospital in the main city in Delhi, Stayed there for about, I think, five days until I got contact with my doctors at UCLA. And then I had Mm -hmm. to get flown back quickly to get administered to the hospital for 10 days at UCLA. So I'm assuming you were, like, on a lot of IV antibiotics and things of that nature. Um, So for people who don't know, as a transplant patient, you have to take lifelong anti-rejection medications. Um, Have you had any issues with those that you are aware of? Uh, No. We mean the medications? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I mean, the prednisone, I take prednisone, tracolimus, and sirolimus. I looked those medicines up, and all of them all have the same side effects, like sleep Mm -hmm. problems, joint pain, like list of problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what I think a lot of people don't understand is being on antisuppressants, um, they suppress your immune system. Uh, so people who are on those are very susceptible to uh, infections and things of that nature. Plus, um, they can also hamper the 
uh, good bacteria that you manufacture in your gut as well as the vitamins that you manufacture uh, in your system and, and people can get severe malnutrition from that. So when they put you uh, on these medications after the transplant and the whole nine yards, did they talk to you about dietary needs at no, all? They did, no, they did not. D- did they ever have you go through any kind of classes or anything? Yes. At one time when I was with my pediatric doctors, they did make me go do a fitness classes with other people, more like diet. So I could lose some weight because I was kind of heavy back then. They were kind of concerned that the weight I was at, it was going to cause my kidneys to stop working or my kidney to stop working. I see. And so in those in those classes um, that are, quote, wink fitness classes, they didn't talk to you about diet? I didn't really stay that long because the whole environment was like, was like chaotic. <laughs> I, I used to be very stubborn when I was a child, so I couldn't stick to like one thing. I was like a sponge. Soak it up, soak it up, and then walk away. <laughs> and now I'm full and I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, um, on this journey that you have been on ever since you had the transplant done, have you done different diets? Yes, I did a plant-based diet in 2016 until late 2019. And that was a very bad experience. So I want you to explain that to people because uh, you and I are on the same page on the plant-based diet. So explain like what you went through and how you felt on that. So the problems I uh, was wrong, wrong with me on the diet was I had sleep problems. I was very underweight which I'm technically still am now, which I'm trying to work on my diet. And I had r- really bad um, joint pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and did overall, you feel overall mental fog and just not major anxiety and brain fog was the most thing I noticed on that diet. And did you feel um, really tired all the time? Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. And see, that's the thing um, that a lot of health practitioners or professionals will tell you, uh, you should never eat meat, you should just go strictly plants. But what they don't tell you is you need protein to function, and especially you with Uh, being a transplant patient and being immunocompromised, it's really important for your body system to go through that um, restorative REM sleep because that's where uh, our cells regenerate. That's where our body does its healing is while we're sleeping in the REM stage. And so with you not being able to sleep on this and constantly being tired and not feeling rested Uh, you were not getting the sources of protein and the vitamins that you need to keep your system up and functioning and and keep you at, um, you know, the optimal level. So let me ask you this. Um, 
while you were on the plant-based diet, did you also notice uh, like depression, anxiety, uh, things like that creeping in? Yeah, definitely. And that's probably the one reason why I had problems in college because around the time I was still in college and I was in the, with the diet and I noticed it wasn't working out with the school, with the college because mm-hmm. I was getting very anxious. Things for me were like very hard. I was mm-hmm. like unable to focus. Yeah. And that's another thing um, when you're not getting the proper diet and especially with the medications that you're on, you have to have um, a specialized diet to keep uh, your body in check and to keep that homeostatic balance. And, and so when, when you're not getting that from the foods that you're intaking and you have issues sleeping at night, sleeping is where you, you know, you, um, get your melatonin and your serotonin and things like that and release all the chemicals that you need to keep your, um, mental health in check as well. Um, and, and plus they're, you know, when those are out of balance and you're not producing those like you should and generating them from your sleep patterns, like you should, that also affects your hormone levels. And so people get really moody or really sad or, um, the anxiety pops up and like everything makes them really anxious and nervous. So it's, so funny to me with the medical system the way it is today that something of this grand importance as far as a transplant, an organ transplant, you know, and having to take medications to keep you alive literally for the rest of your life that they don't discuss this with the patients. Absolutely. So how many how many doctors would you say that you have been through and do you feel like um at the stage that you're at right now in your life that they can talk to you and make sense and know what they're doing. So GI doctors, I've gone to three already. Uh, uh, nephrology, just one doctor, my main kidney doctors. I think I have like three different ones and they rotate. Mm-hmm. So I don't have the same one every time I have an appointment, which I find very, very frustrating and annoying. Mm-hmm. It's like, and then there go, person. why are you here? Well, I don't know. Look at my chart. Why do you think I'm here? <laughs> I'm going to start saying that from now on. <laughs> That's my favorite thing to say. Like uh, I had a surgery one time and they scheduled me to come for a follow-up appointment. And uh, the surgeon, of course, it was a fill-in surgeon. And he says, well, why are you here? And I'm like, well, I don't know. What did you just remove? Maybe you should look at my chart. <laughs> I'm kind of sassy when it comes to things like that. So um, along with you being a transplant patient, um, you also developed Crohn's disease. That's correct. And yes, I, I want did. you, I want you to talk about that. Like, when were you diagnosed? What kind of symptoms do you have? What do you go through? So I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2012. But like I mentioned before, the trip to India, I got diarrhea. I ended up in the hospital and I looked at my chart 
And I noticed that I got a vaccine, oral one that treats for rotavirus. So I made the two connections together and I noticed that I might have gotten Crohn's disease from that. The things I feel with Crohn's with Crohn's is like like tired, like mood like mood swings. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's kind of complicated to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there uh, patients with Crohn's, there are so many different levels ranging from, you know, really mild symptoms to you know fatigue and and maybe some upset stomach to full blown uh, hospitalized, can't keep anything down, um, massive, you know, gut pain and even you know anal sores. I know that sounds gross for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but um, that is part of it because your your gut gets so raw and so irritated and inflamed um, that it, it basically gets very angry. And when your gut is angry, your body is angry because you have uh, the gut brain connection, you know, and like I said, with your um, intestines, you know, um, manufacturing vitamins and, you know, things of that nature to keep your body and your cells healthy. When your gut is inflamed, again, you're not producing what you need to, to send the signals to your brain to be happy and healthy. So with the rotavirus that you mentioned, that's very interesting. And I'm very very glad that you made that connection because as of right now, they say they have no idea what causes Crohn's disease. They can guess, but they don't know for certain. The rotavirus vaccination is extremely important in the connection that you stated because rotavirus vaccinations are to prevent wink, wink, prevent, you know, public health and safety, prevent kids from getting, um, diarrhea. Now, um, do you know, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you know what your body's doing when you get diarrhea? When I get diarrhea, mm, it hurts. I don't really have symptoms when I have diarrhea. Like, with the Crohn's, and I have a flare-up, I don't have the symptoms. Like, how Bob might have. Mm-hmm. I don't have that for some reason. It's just really weird. I don't know if I've gotten used to not feeling anything when I get the whole diarrhea problem. But it's, I don't like it. The whole, like, oh, I have a flare-up. I should probably go rest. It's just like, it doesn't happen to me. It's just weird. That's that's interesting, and you're you're one of those people that's a unique unicorn in that situation. But for yeah, you're a unicorn. I just called you one. Um, so for for people that like have never heard me explain this before, um, when you have diarrhea, your body is trying to get rid of harmful toxins in your system. Um. I don't believe in viruses and bacteria. I believe in toxins and things that attack your system um, that your system tries to get rid of. And diarrhea is one of those things, um, one of those ways to do that. 
And so to develop a vaccination to prevent babies who have been, you know, inside of another human being ingesting, you know, orange juice and acidic foods and spicy stuff and whatever, and you're going to give them a vaccination to prevent them from doing the body's normal excretion. And in doing so, and I want people to go look this up. I'm not going to tell you what all uh, is in rotavirus, but go to um, the cdc.gov website and in the advanced search link, type in vaccine excipient summary. And it will give you a list of every vaccination that is federally approved. That doesn't mean COVID because COVID is not federally approved. Um, go look at that list and look at the things that are in not just the rotavirus, but every vaccination. And then if there's words on there you don't understand, go look them up. But a lot of the vaccinations that they give... Um, have a lot of dangerous chemicals and things in them, but they also have antibiotics in them. Now, why would you need to give an antibiotic when you're giving something that's for your public health and safety? Does that make sense? No, because antibiotics further destroy your system. So I want to ask you a question. Outside of, um, like when you have a flare-up, do what other symptoms do you have when that happens? A really bad stomach cramps. Cramping is one thing. A really bad stomach pain, like to the point where I have to put where I, to the point where I have gas, and I also have to put like a heating pad. You know how females have like when they go right. through periods, they have yeah. cramps. That's how bad sometimes I can get with my Crohn's. Now, do you ever get like uh, pain in your back? I have noticed that recently if I have a flare up I do have lower back pain. So do I have you, that's a new that's a new thing I've noticed. Do you have um pain in your legs? Do you ever get that? Uh, not with the flare up but if I'm like sitting cross legged cross legged then I probably have pain but with the with mm -hmm. the Crohn's no. Okay. So um you got like a double whammy. So getting the rotavirus vaccination and then also being on um, antisuppressant medications that mess with the lining in your gut, uh, you definitely have have definitely uh, a, a double barrel shotgun <clears throat> as far as your gut goes. So have you ever tried, because a lot of people... Or like, if you have Crohn's, you should definitely go gluten-free. Have you tried gluten-free? Uh, I've tried that off and on. And I've noticed if I don't eat bread, I don't get the energy for some reason. It's like the protein. Yes, protein's good. But I notice if I don't eat like some kind of form of carbs, mm -hmm. I don't have the energy. So mm -hmm. I've tried it a lot because if I eat gluten, then I have diarrhea. That's another mm -hmm. thing I've noticed. I have diarrhea. So I've tried it out. It 
it's I'm in the middle of the whole gluten thing. Mm -hmm. And the thing um, I think for a lot of patients who have Crohn's, um, some people get triggered by different things. And so uh, some people like uh, Bob can drink Red Bull literally all the time, which is packed full of sugar. And it's like, doesn't seem to affect him. Um, His is more like he knows when it's coming, when the weather changes um, or when the seasons change, that's when uh, his gets really flared up or he's in a really, really stressful environment. Do you notice uh, that stress triggers yours? Sometimes. Sometimes the whole weather changing, not really. I don't know. I I don't know. I might be weird. Might be some kind of alien, but <laughs> the whole weather change and Crohn's doesn't fit doesn't fit together. With You're me. an alien unicorn. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and I'm lucky. I have the uh, the world's only alien unicorn on my show. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's a. It's funny though that um, you know everybody that has it has it differently and and varied symptoms and you know different everything dietary is different for everybody and there's no um quote cure but did they ever try to put you on medication for it for Crohn's yes I used to take budesonite and I also took acetyl or I don't know what the technical name of it is Mm -hmm. but I I know it was acetyl because it was those really thick type of brownish colored pills Mm -hmm. and that's the only two medicines I was on for Crohn's for my Crohn's so they they've never tried to put you on uh IV infusions of anything no and none of the new none of the new medications they have now for Crohn's like the ones I see ads for on tv so did they um did they ever give you steroids for a flare-up no wait Oh, I mean, I take prednisone. I know prednisone is supposed to help with the flare-up. I don't know if that's true, but I've read that prednisone, if you have Crohn's and you have a flare-up, it's supposed to help. I don't know. I might have to double-check my information on that, but I do take prednisone. I know prednisone is used for other things besides the kidney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's funny that they give uh, prednisone, which is a steroid, uh, because w- one of the side effects... Well, there's a lot of side effects of prednisone, but uh, prednisone will make people eat, like gorge eat a lot of times. Um, And even to the point where, like, if you have moldy bread on the top of the refrigerator or whatever, uh, people will and have been known to eat that because they are so hungry. It, like, kicks in your you know, your craving center and shuts off your ability for your, your gut and your brain to communicate, uh, you know, and signal like you're full. So to stop eating, people don't get that on prednisone. (laughs) It stops that. (coughs) That's one thing I noticed with prednisone is I cannot eat so much, so much, so much food. Mm hmm. And if I do, then I have problems with my Crohn's, which then I end up getting very bloated. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm pregnant. Yeah. And that's a um, that's another thing that is also a, a side effect, a common thing in patients that they will tell you that um, 
they feel bloated instantly after taking it. They feel like to the point where they feel like they're going to pop. Um, which what is that doing to your gut lining? Even though prednisone is supposed to be an anti-inflammatory, it makes people swell. Now, think about that. We're pushing this drug on you to make you feel better and help your stomach issues and and help um you know your your organs and things like that or take it because of your back pain which is a common thing that they prescribe for back pain but then it literally causes inflammation in your body that's the medical system for you now have you ever tried um taking oregano oil oh have not no yeah. Oregano oil is actually um, really good for your system because not only does it help your body to get out the overgrowth of yeast um, that almost every human on the planet has in their system from years and years and years of the foods that we eat and the things that we do and the medicines that we take um, that will cause yeast overgrowth. Um, but it also helps patients uh, especially the more severe ones who have uh, like the sores and things like that, that, that come up, it helps prevent them from getting that. And that's just because it's a, it's a natural herb. So anyways, that's just question on that. So tell me um, like when you were going to school, what mm. did you go to school for? So in 2016, I went to school for um, network administration and then graduated. Then in 2017 until 2018-ish, I was doing cybersecurity. So uh, that would be really hard to do that to where you can't concentrate. Yeah, I didn't take, you know how normal people take like a break in between like semester. Mm -hmm. I like, I'm just going to get through it and finish it. That's the one thing I, that's the one thing I regret not doing is taking a break, like a year off traveling for mm -hmm. all the shit before everything happened. Right. And then going back to school and finishing up. Right. So, um, do you still do that, or did you decide to do something else? I no longer am pursuing my degree anymore because I lost interest, honestly. I am now doing photography, and I recently started from last year podcasting. So did you, with your photography, um, anybody that hasn't seen your uh, photos that you take really needs to go look at that um, because... They are so um, detailed and vivid and um, just absolutely amazing. Did you take courses in that or is that something that you taught yourself? I did take a course online from Uatomy. Have you heard, have you heard of Uatomy before? Mm -mm. It's a free, It's you have to pay for classes, but they have different classes on photography, like how to use Word different things. So I took a class on there. It was pretty good. And then I just learned on my own slowly 
as you it's I think it's on. fantastic. Now, um, outside of your social media, can people find your work anywhere as yes. far as your photography stuff? Yes, you could find it on uh, creationbylens.com. Fantastic. That's creationbylens.com. Yeah, people need to go. People need to go check that out because, like I said, um, the stuff that you do is is absolutely amazing. The the pictures are so vivid and and really really great. So anyway, I'm I'm Thank glad you. that you that you took that path in life because I think it suits you. I think it suits you very well. I have a weird story about that. And I probably should not tell on the podcast, but I tell you uh, when we get off, because it's kind yeah, of a weird one. That's not fair. People might want to hear this. Okay, so there's a photographer I used to follow. She worked in the adult industry who got me inspired to do, get into photography because for some reason I really like how she took photos of the models she used mm-hmm. worked with. So it kind of got me inspired to do something like that, but with wildlife instead of with humans. Mm-hmm. I and just, you're you, you you take a lot of wildlife photography, do you not? Yes, I do. That's my do main you? that's my main genre of photography right now. But I kind of want to switch to more like portrait of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I think that would be really great, and I think you've got a really good eye for that. So I urge people to go check out your work. Um, I know something that I want to ask you that um, we didn't talk about earlier when we were talking about um, your transplant, Um, but we had discussed this before because we were talking when you, you know, had a lot of the sleep issues and and things like that going on, um, that people who have a transplant get the emotions of whoever they got the organ from. So did you find yourself with emotions that you don't remember ever having as a child? Uh, Shyness is one of them. I've been very, very shy since I've been brought up. Like, I don't really like talking to people. I have to meet like the right people like you, for example. You're like, I'm so comfortable talking to you right now and offline and there's other people I talk to but I'm I don't know there's like a thing I have a very judgmental personality <laughs> if I see red flags in you I'm not going to talk to you at all <laughs> even what you post online I will not talk to you I'm gonna be honest <laughs> and that's so funny that you said that because um you know, you've heard me say before that I'm an empath and so I can pick up people's emotions and stuff and like read their energy. And there are so many people and this this sounds just horrible to say this, but um, Greg is the same way. My, that's my husband. And so even when we go to church on Sunday, um there will be people that, you know, like we'll be walking in or something and I will see somebody that like has really bad energy and, and like, I'm like, Oh, come on, let's go this way. And we, we like s- skirt the person. And I know that sounds awful cause it's in a church, but there are some people that it's almost like, um, and I can't really explain it very good, 
but kind of like what you said. And it's like a, almost like this giant red X that's like, get, get away from that person. Like danger, danger, <laughs> stranger, danger. <laughs> uh, I have to tell him, I have to tell him uh, um, about the first time we ever talked on the phone though. Cause we text every day. Um, he accidentally FaceTime called me one day and he was like, Oh, I was going to hang up, but I guess we could go ahead and talk. And so then we had this really long, uh, FaceTime conversation that was, I don't know, it was like an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, or it was an hour. Like that. Yeah. But I can, I, I can identify with the emotion of shyness because believe it or not, I used to be super shy. And now people are like, what the heck happened to you? Because now I can literally talk to a stranger um, at a garbage dump. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I can just carry on with the gift of gab. But I used to be super shy. But the reason why I ask you um, about the emotions is because a lot of people um, aren't aware that uh, when you have a transplant that you you're getting somebody else's emotions because it's all since we are energy beings, um, all of our chakras are connected uh, to organs in our body. And so uh, if that person is violent or uh, really angry or super depressed or uh, anxious, or they could be like the happiest person on the planet. And then you could be bouncing around um, as a happy unicorn, you know, if you would have gotten those emotions. And a, a lot of people don't understand that they pull that in. They just can't understand why when they had a transplant, now all of a sudden they are a different person. And that is why, because that energy from that person comes with you. So. Anyways, so let me ask you something. Being that um, you are Indian, mm -hmm. do you follow traditional um, Indian culture as far as uh, like you have to have an arranged marriage and, and things of that nature? Oh no! Oh, don't don't start with that because I've gone to <laughs> mom gone and dad. To, hello, I've gone to um, Indian weddings. Uh, they're not. They're super. They're really long. They're like two days long. Yeah. The festival, yeah. the like the festival just leading up to the wedding is five days, and mm -hmm. then the wedding, depending on what part of India you're from, where my my mom's brother lives. Their relatives, they usually do weddings at, in the middle of the night. And it's from like, I think 11 p.m. to like 5 a.m. the next day. So it's like, oh, yeah, wow. Not, yeah, it's long. So this may sound silly, but um, do you think when they originally set up this custom of the uh, party beforehand, do you think that was a test and a way to see if you party hard enough, if somebody will back out of the marriage? I think so, yeah. 
And, and also, I know I that, also, I know I also that think, sounds dumb, but there's a reason behind a lot of the customs and, I and also people don't understand from, that. I also think it's a money a money thing. How much right. money they can get from the other other family. It's always the, all these Indian, especially, I don't know if it's in other religions, but in Indian weddings, it's all about money. Because mm-hmm. during during the wedding, you were supposed to give like a like a what's the word to say like a gift to the other per, other family. You both trade off what you're gonna give to the husband and wife. So mm-hmm. the husband side has to give something to the bride, and the bride has to give something to the husband side. It's like I read: Are they getting married for like to be together? Are you guys getting married, or the families doing this to get like free things from each other? Yeah, or to make uh, like an empire, because if you have two really wealthy families, you know, that are coming together and then you're giving, which I don't know what the term is for the Indian culture, but, you know, in in old days here, it was called a dowry. And That's so it, it was like you give um, like land or it's always something huge or you give like uh like back in the medieval times, you gave like a kingdom to somebody who are, who's the family that you're marrying, whatever. So, um, you know, was it to to like put it into stuff or to, you know, get things for gain and then, you know, later on, like, I don't know. So what other... Um, what other customs do they have that you don't follow now? Going back to that, the dowry part, yeah, some families ask for, like, cars. If they know you're, like, super wealthy. <laughs> I want a Lamborghini. Not, no, I'm Not, <laughs> like, super wealthy, but if you're, like, middle class to, like, kind of high class, they don't ask you for, like, like, a scooter, motorcycle, car. It's, like, the other family who's not, like, who's kind of, like, semi-middle class cannot afford that. So mm-hmm. either you... Marry the woman, or you look the other. Or you turn back around and look for someone else to marry. Yeah, that whole that whole thing is just really dumb to me. Like the whole did, arranged whole arranged marriage thing is like, it's just, what's the point? I don't like. Did your parents do an arranged marriage? Actually, no. They met each other. My I don't know how true the story is, and I have to double check with my dad. But he said he met my mom when he used to live in Bombay in his apartment. He used to come visit. My mom used to come visit someone that she knew in the same complex. So my dad fell in love with her. So they started talking. And they I don't know the rest of the story, but that's the some portion I know. That they were like more love marriage. The the uh the rest of the story that they don't want you to know what was going on during that yeah, time. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> And I, I don't want, um, like, if there's any other Indian listeners out there, I don't want you to get offended at me saying that, do you think they did this, you know, long party thing to, to stop a marriage? But that's that's a common thing because you have to know, uh, especially in an arranged thing, like how um, that person that you're marrying acts and what their family is like because you don't want that family to bring disgrace onto you absolutely you're correct yeah so i didn't want there have been, to there like, been stories oh. 
there have been stories on the news I read occasionally of a bride or groom got killed because of the other family didn't want them. It's just like those like I, I've seen stories like that. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it's the groom side that killed the bride, or the bride's done something to the groom, or it has mm-hmm. to do something with the family. Yeah, it's crazy to me. Um I mean, I'm not I'm not disrespecting, you know, any anybody that that still believes in arranged marriage, but I have had a shitty marriage before and I really want to know who I'm marrying, you know what I'm saying? No, that same I I'm single right now and eventually if I do get married, I don't want some psycho woman to come in my life. Yeah. Like, at all. And yeah, and that's the thing because um, Greg and I both were married before, it definitely to the wrong people, especially mine. Um, that was definitely the wrong person. And, you know, I can't imagine nowadays with as batshit nuts as people are um, because I think people have lost their minds. I can't imagine like us not being together and me having to go back on a dating world. And then it's like, there's so many crazy people. I'd be like, mm, mm, mm. I see red X's literally everywhere. <laughs> that's one. That's one other reason why I don't do any of those dating apps or anything. It's like, there's some psycho people out there, and I don't know if I'm gonna be actually talking to an actual female. It could be a male behind a female account. Exactly. That's, that's or like, it yeah, could no. be it could be a uh, male who thinks he's a female. Or it could be a child, like a like yeah, a, like a child behind a. A female account, yeah. like yeah, yeah no, that's like a red flag. All those, all those dating apps to me are like red flags. I'm more of a traditional person. I rather ask you like an FBI like tons of questions about you. I I don't know why, but <laughs> I every, every <laughs> you're writing down your interrogation questions for your next date. <laughs> every I've noticed I do this a lot. I ask. <laughs> A lot of questions to get the other person to get to know the other person. It's like it's like it become a habit now, and they probably think, "Why the hell is he asking me tons of questions?" It's just this is not like in depth, like in depth questions. It's like just like short questions, like what's your favorite book or like what's your favorite color, like those kinds of questions, right? Like those easygoing questions that you can comfortable to talk ask the other person. But you know what that is? That is you getting back to um, traditional roots in the sense of what dating was like before the internet and the apps and all of that stuff. Just having a normal conversation with somebody like, hey, uh, what's your favorite music? Uh, What do you like to eat? You know, what's your favorite food? And, you know, because that's that's not a normal occurrence anymore. And I can tell you that because I just was on a show the other night where um, some females were discussing how disturbing it is to go out now and the things that guys say to them or do or whatever. So yeah, that's that's another problem. Some of these guys, they're very creepy. I'm not going to lie, but. Mm-hmm. I follow some adult models on Twitter. Those guys are like very psychotic behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, absolutely. Uh, like, yeah, I don't want to do something like that. That's not my. I I don't do that weird stuff. That's not yeah. my thing. That's and you know, really that's really inappropriate and weird. Yeah, and 
I'm glad you said that because um, that is a thing for females, especially um, when you do anything public, um, even have a, you know, even having like I had Facebook for a while. I used to get some of the creepiest messages from people and I'm like, what in the hell is wrong with you? Like, who, uh, who are you to send me like creepy stuff like this? And it, you know, even people, um, like when I used to work with four deep and I would get, um, the, and for people who don't know, that's no mercy. Um, but we had a chat thing and I would get messages from people that were like, I want to, cut you up and gut you like a pig and let you bleed out in the bathtub. And I'm like, well, that was romantic. I'm sure that's going to score you a date really quick. Hey, <clears throat> you'd look really good in a diaper. Uh, yeah, that's not my thing either. Or like your come online is, uh, I want to suck your toes. Oh yeah, there there are guys on them. No, they they do that a lot. I can't let anyone suck my toes. Just for anybody that's wanting to know that, uh, you cannot suck my toes because I don't like anyone touching my feet. I'm one of those weird females that cannot even get a pedicure because it gives me the willies to have somebody touch my feet. You don't even let Greg touch your feet. He does not touch my feet. I think he knows better. <laughs> now I, I've I've let him rub my feet before, but it has to be a lot of pressure because if just like light touch, even like the shower head, the water running on my feet, like the bottom of my feet, oh, cringe festival, see me like twitching. Yeah, no, I can't do that. But yeah, you're you're so right, though, about like um, the creepiness and it's people in general, because there are women there can be pretty creepy, too. Oh, I'm not. Sorry. Yeah, there are some. I don't know what goes on at the side of females, but I'm talking from a guy perspective. There's, mm -hmm. there's some guys that are just like, really, that's how you present, present yourself to the world. Like you guys need to have another hobby. That's how that's how they're going to like hook up with a chick. Those those are your serial killers and waiting. Another thing is the kind of actions that those guys do, and the and then the guys that don't do get thrown under the bus with them. It's like the actions they do. The mm -hmm. people who don't do any, the guys that are like gentlemen and stuff, they go mm -hmm. they get thrown under the bus as well. Yeah, it's because they you know, and it, that's human nature as people group everyone into a group and so because you have these creepy people like men in general are creepy no they're not men in general are not creepy there are just some men that are just ooh, little um out there in their uh behavior let's just say that but um so how do you think um that what you have gone through as far as the transplant and the Crohn's and whatever has shaped like your personality and, and who you are now? <sighs> well, I am more open-minded now. 
like I question a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I I research a lot to my best of my ability. That's mm-hmm. one thing I've noticed that's changed since I've gone through my transplant and my Crohn's that I question a lot of things. So you question the medical community now? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> I've had experience with my own dog with the medical. Yep. Yeah, that is a story um, in itself because um, the things that we were discussing when that was going on, and there's, you know, Ryan from Dangerous World had the had a situation too with the, uh, you know, his dog was sick and, and the whole nine yards and what the vet tells you. But remember too, um, for your pets, it is also the same medical industrial complex that treats people because they have the same medications for animals and they have the same vaccinations that are required even if your pets never ever go outside and they stay inside all of the time and then they will not take your pet when it gets sick unless they are vaccinated. Does that make sense? It's silly. It's absolutely silly. To it's me. ridiculous. Also, isn't there another thing that they don't allow you to take your pets into like these hotels if they're not vaccinated or that's mm-hmm. not required? Uh, like, some of them. Hotel- Okay, that's yeah, <clears throat> some of them, the especially the big uh, chain hotels, um, they that's a new thing now. If they accept animals at all, um, a lot of the big hotel chains will not allow them without <laughs> vaccination cards. And you know they were pushing the uh, COVID vaccines we should get a covid vaccine for animals because deer and and things like that and tigers who the hell is sticking a pcr test up a fucking tiger's nose i want to know that because i sure as shit would not want to be the person that's doing that would you nope i think it's probably <laughs> for the people the zoo because the zoo employees are probably doing it yeah it's just i mean I don't know about you, but I I wouldn't want to even um, stick something up my cat's nose, but I can't imagine an animal that wants to eat me sticking something up their nose. Ooh, you would have to have a really, really long-handled swab to swab an elephant. (laughs) Did you ever see that... um, that clip of uh, Andrew Cuomo, or not Andrew Cuomo, Chris Cuomo on TV when he had that giant swab. It just made me think of that. I was like, we could always send um, Chris Cuomo with his giant swab to swab the elephants and stuff to test them. I don't know. It's craziness to me. So, um, my dear... I really, really, really appreciate you joining me today. Um, It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I just love you to pieces. I want everybody to follow you. Where can they find you at? You could follow me on Instagram. That's Amit's Corner. That's A-M-I-T-S underscore corner. And on Twitter, same username. And you can find my podcast on all podcast platforms. 
And and what was the name of your photography place again? Uh, you can also find my photography at uh, Creation by Lens. Fantastic. Everybody go like, subscribe, share, comment, download, show him some love. Um, follow him because he's an amazing person. Like I said, a huge supporter um, of the podcast community and all around amazing, lovely human being that everyone should know. So I certainly appreciate you spending time with me, my dear. Any final thoughts for you? Oh, uh, no. Just thank you for having me on. That's all. Absolutely. It's a pleasure and an honor. And I'm I'm tickled pink that I got the unicorn. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody remember that. You can call him unicorn from now on. Oh, no. You're welcome. Oh, no. That's a bad idea. <laughs> I'm going to get the troll, troll messages now also. <laughs> and then you're going to be like, Typing me a message, Janet. Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, okay. Just kidding. Don't call him a unicorn. Uh, you can think of something better. So anyway, I'm just so happy you joined me today. Thank you so much. And people, we will see you next time. Make sure you share. Like, subscribe, comment, download. You can watch the video version exclusively on Roku on Patriot Podcast Network. So go find that on Roku TV. Download that. Make sure you hit that little star button up in the right-hand corner and leave a five-star review on that. Follow my podcast on every podcast platform. You can also find it on actualactivist.com and you can find it on Alt Media United. The audio episode comes out every Tuesday. So make sure you check that out for both of us and for me and for the lovely Amit. We will see you next time. Have a great day. <laughs>